I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio is Andy Greenwald and our person of the year every year, Jason (laughs) Mantoukas! What's up, man? What's up, jerks? Friend of the pod. Uh, multi-time appearance, multi-appearances. Yeah, really the MVP of the podcast this wow. year. Wow, you are. Yeah, you, you not, think neither yeah. of us were eligible yeah. for the How award do you like this that, year. Sam S. Mail, <laughs> kaboom. Yeah. Uh, Jason is here to do our annual podcast, The Wall. What is The Wall? Glad you asked. The best way to characterize it is it's a, this is our year-end pod, our year-end culture sure. review. The wall itself is an artificial, completely subjective construct that is we occasionally... No. Is this the wall? This great is question. all great Bill's, question, right? Stuff. The idea is basically that it's our Hall of Fame. It's our yeah. annual Hall of Fame. People go get yeah. they get inducted. Now, we have had some... Uh, the, the bylaws of the wall have not really been committed to, to, to hard Like copy. many of the bits we do on this podcast, sure. they are fluid and <laughs> temporary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you know... Can people be on the wall more than once? We're going to find out. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, so, and so it can be anybody from, you can be pulling a part from a show that is yes, not absolutely. on your end of year yeah. list, but that part or that person or that whatever, it was so transformational, that, they yes. belong on the wall. That absolutely. would be a great way to look at it. Great. And in fact, it's reoriented my entire thinking and I'm scrapping my list. <laughs> great. As am I. I think we made this mistake with, with when we did our year in TV pod, but I just wanted to ask, like as we settle down before we start naming oh, names. Yeah. yeah, baby. How was this year for you, Jason? I'll be honest. As I was putting together, I do an end of year music list every year. Yeah. I do a seasonal mix every season. Really? And then. For for consumption by others or just personal use? For very few. There's like a a couple of people get it. Mostly people that I somehow anecdotally am talking about it and they're like, send me that. Yeah. Yeah. Like Um, like your T Mobile 5. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I was putting that together in the last week or so and then started putting this together and I had like a real revelation. Yeah. I have been depressed this year. <laughs> yeah, it's been a really rough year. <laughs> this year, like my yeah. my mix is so melancholy. Yes. It oh, is no. so yeah. it is it is full of wonderful but heartbreaking records. Yes. And then as I was putting everything else together, I was like, oh, this year for me was sad music <laughs> mm-hmm. and like comfort food distraction entertainment. Yes. Right. You know, whether it's podcasts or TV, like I didn't go to the movies very much, which is very weird mm. for me. Like I feel like in doing this, in looking at my life in yeah. this way, I also this year for the most of the year did a Steven Soderbergh style media diet. Did you really? I did. And I kept track of everything I listened to, saw, you know, went to see if I went and saw uh, a concert or went, yeah. to see, went to the movie. I wrote everything down. And looking back over it? Uh, I feel like it is either like indulging in very sad stuff mm. or stuff that is meant to truly just be detachment. Here's my take. Soderbergh ruined that thing. Yeah. Because no one is like just knocked out Zodiac again. Well, I am. But yeah, yeah. no You're, one this is, is like a cry for help. Read <laughs> Arsenals of Folly and the Invention of the Nuclear oh, yeah. Missile Race yeah. and then knocked out like three episodes of Black Mirror and then followed that up with like a, a moose-bouche of Raiders sure. at I, the end of the night. And yet I've watched like every single episode of Action Bronson's Fuck That's Delicious <laughs> yeah, right. twice. Yes. I, I, yes. I think, can I just also say, I think, I, I think Soderbergh's media diet is just kind of the world's most indulgent subtweet of people with kids. It is just like the strongest, yeah. strongest parlay from the child free and proud community. Honestly, I heard it's not even real. I heard Banksy does it. Well, that's <laughs> right. Banksy puts Red the whole thing together. He watches all those right. movies. It's all, yeah. Wow. It's actually, it's Mr. Brainwash. I agree with you, man. Like, I think that 
it was it's a tough year for heroes. Yeah, it's a tough year for for uh, picking people that you were inspired by. Uh, I think, you know, it just was one of those things where anything that you got hyped for, there's a very specific thing that happens in our office where something cool happens on the internet and it, we actually still, it's it's almost physically viral. We like take yeah. it to, into other people's mm. offices and like, you have you to got, see, yeah, totally. you gotta see this goal, you gotta see this dunk, you gotta see this kid fall off a skateboard. And you may, yeah. It happened, but it didn't happen with the same joie de fever as usual. Mm. You know what I mean? It did yeah. not have like that unchained, like, isn't it great to be alive and ingesting yeah, content? There, there's also an element for me, which was like, I got sucked into much more this year, like weird, small fringe things that I became obsessed with. Right. Versus like big, giant, cultural, like, even though I, of course, was in Game of Thrones as much as sure. we all were. Um, I feel like uh, I got way more like drilled into like weird YouTube channels mm-hmm. and stuff like well, that. I think partly we talk, we, we, often, maybe too often, mourn the death of the monoculture in TV mm-hmm. because we miss it. And it also obviously was self-serving. It helps our podcast when we all sure. we feel like everyone's watching the same thing. But there was a monoculture this year, and it was sort of, you know, quietly watching democracy die in yeah. flames. And everyone's watching the news, and everyone's riveted by that. And so pop culture, for many people, became a lot more about retreating to yeah. your, your personal to, warren yeah. of safety or, or, or comfort. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I feel that, though. And I, I definitely have, like... Like the, you can always see like on my Spotify playlist list, there's like I just move things up that I want yeah. to make sure that I'm kind of going through, and it's a lot of like just like here's weird '70s funk seven inches. Did, that have been did you guys look at your list? That's did Spotify send you your year end list? Yes. yes. Here's the thing. And how did you feel about it? I'm not trying to air her out. She's she is the most important person I've ever met. But my wife has ruined my Spotify algorithm. Oh, okay. So <laughs> there's just like a lot of Sinead O'Connor no, and in that's there. C- that's because you won't allow her to have her own Spotify profile? What? Right. It's just like the, because the, women the family that have listens them. together Correct. loves together, and I guess. Despite yeah. when you <laughs> earlier, though, before the camera started rolling, said women shouldn't use computers. It's true. Chris Ryan. You said, now that I'm 40, I realize women yeah. shouldn't use computers. We've made some mistakes as a culture, and it's time to begin <laughs> remedying them now. I, I have a similar problem with people who are important to me because the, the message I got from Spotify suggested that my consumption of the Moana soundtrack yes, oh, yeah. right. was out of whack. Well, 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 that I mean, it was number one on my yeah. Spotify sure, but, playlist as well, and that, I'm just a childless single man. But that's Does that you're, strike any, any, no, you're, you're any a, warning bells? You're a lyrics guy. And I'm all in on Lin-Manuel Miranda. She's the daughter of the village chief, you know, yeah. and her journey was... And every night I go to sleep with the rock singing me to bed. <laughs> that's what You really do like Moana. No, it has nothing to do with the Moana soundtrack. <laughs> oh, it's just, sure. It's just um, where you were chosen to lay your head. Mm-hmm. So with all that said, all those yeah. caveats about our, our never families. quite having much joy in the world, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about it. The people who did give us joy. Yeah, so why don't you go first, Jason? Who's your number one pick? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really kiss ass here because um, the first on my list, uh, simply because I, as I was going through uh, my Soderbergh-style media diet, yeah. I was like, wow, I spent a tremendous amount of time joyfully mm. listening to some of them multiple times through mm. Mallory Rubin and Jason yes. Concepcion wow. talk about Game of Thrones on Binge Mode. Binge Mode is wow. one of my favorite things of all of this year. That's and awesome. Contrib- and I, spe- I listened to, like, like I said, every episode, you know, and was riveted. I thought they did an unbelievable job. And I'll, I'll shout out uh, Zach as well, who helped them out with it, right? There he is. Nice work, Zach. I thought they did an amazing job and did something that, for me, made this season so much more enjoyable to watch. Just Mm. because I felt so much more, I felt so much more prepared and ready for it to 
kind of disappoint me uh, than, yes. than ever before because of how well they had basically uh, schooled me in not only the show's history that I've been following, you know, over the last X and whatever number of years, seven years, but also like book knowledge that I never will have, never will care to have, yeah. you know, and uh, it really was, I, it was one of my favorite things to see pop up every whatever Wednesday or whatever day it came out if there was and I remember there was a period of time where they were like running late some weeks and blah blah and I was like this I'm now having an experience that I don't often have anymore which is where's my show yeah yeah hey man where's my show they were acutely aware of that yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. which I think is pretty rad there we, isn't a lot I, of appointment viewing anymore appointment listening in this case and I thought they did an amazing job like here we are it is a it is a show that is recapping a show that has already mm-hmm. aired there is no urgency to it mm-hmm. and they are still like I'm still like the minute it comes out I need to hear them talk about season four episode seven you know <laughs> but also it's it's a really great expression of how our relationship with TV has changed, but also our relationship with specifically that show. Because Chris and I did our year in TV, and we got mm-hmm. perhaps appropriately dinged for not including Game yeah, of Thrones Sam in, went our, after in you our guys top like ten. That. And the the truth is, at this point, I, if, if it was a kind of, if it was a top ten list of experiences during a time a show is on the air, Game of Thrones is always going to be number yeah. one, running away yeah. because it's so fun to be a part of it and talk about it, and yes, criticize it on its own merits. If you just strip it away. I think it was a slightly disappointing season, po- w- post-Loot Train. It was. It had real highlight moments, but yeah. it's like structurally wasn't satisfying in total, I didn't feel like. Yes. Uh, but- and I agreed with, I think maybe you, Andy, from the TV episode, saying a lot of characters who should have had... Oh, this was Chris. Oh, it was Chris. Yeah. Who should have had moments who we should have dug in on just didn't. Yeah, I you think know? It, it just it weirdly felt like, I think because of the enormity of the set pieces... And I could speculate that their eye was very much on the yeah. ball of like, we got to get these guys all here so that we can do this. I thought maybe those moments that everybody's like, God, I really love it when Tyrion just gets a couple of minutes yeah. in a room to shine mm-hmm. felt rush clipped. However you want to say it, I would say just about binge mode. Obviously there's a little bit of a conflict of interest. Those two people are very, very important to us, but it's awesome to hear you say that because I think what that podcast did was, podcasts can kind of float in between this weird like it's just the new radio and you kind of have stuff on in the background or you're like I want to listen to Andy and Chris talk about something whatever it is and it's just going to be on for 25 or 45 minutes Jason and Mallory made something that was just really like transcended the kind of medium in terms of like how much you would go back to it how much people uh, relied on it and how much people had invested in their investment in the show which was just so beautiful to watch and like and just how um, how connected to it they are you know like for them like it was like their emotional connection to these stories was was so important to to feel because I as much as we have spent X number of years watching it, they have spent that many more years reading and talking and thinking about it, yeah. uh, and thinking yeah, about yeah. it, and that you, that was brought to bear in the show, you know, in the podcast. How much of your appearance here today is just part of this year long con to get on? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Exactly. I mean, no, I, it's fair. I've been on the watch. Yeah, I've been on Talk the Thrones. It's true. You're certain. Have it. I been on Hinge Mode? Not yet, <laughs> but I feel like I'm making my way there. You know the people who know the people. You're boxing them I, Hey, listen, I've shared a stage with Mallory and Jason. It's you true. Know? Multiple I just, times. I know they have a no double Jasons on the show. It's true. So I don't know. I don't so, know if I'll ever get there. Unless you shiv one of the other Jasons. We're not we'll saying see. which one. We'll see. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your per- first person on Let's the keep it in the world of, of TV, and I have to talk about 
uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Kyle McLaughlin goes Great. on the wall for me this year. Longtime favorite of mine. Obviously, people know that I love Twin Peaks and have always loved Twin Peaks and loved him. Huge, in... huge fan of his run on How I Met Your Mother. Here's the thing: I have because he played <laughs> the character that was like the most important character in TV for me. I have always been rooting for him, and I sure. think we always have people that we yeah. root for in culture because we like them, or maybe we met them once, or maybe their original TV series ended in a terrible cliffhanger in which they are inhabited by an evil doppelganger that represents all evil. Mm-hmm. Sure, just throwing it out there. But you always knew there was going to be this season. It just I, was. 18 years away or whatever. Never, 25 <laughs> yeah, years, 25, and I yeah. never thought, honestly. Uh, I had made yeah. peace with it. And so when he was in Showgirls, and I was like, uh, well, the best. it's iconic, but yeah. I sort of felt bad for him because he's really a talented actor. And he came on the podcast a few years ago. Couldn't be nicer. Yeah. What a great guy. Super good dude. They can't make the show. People said you can't make, a, make it without David Lynch. True. You could not have made this without Kyle MacLachlan. And the, one of the most exciting parts of it was that they didn't just come back for him to play that part. He yeah. played three parts. And played them spectacularly well. He played a pure villain in The Doppelganger. He played the original character in various states of distress and um, otherness. And he played this character, Dougie Jones, not the um, Senate candidate in Alabama, but uh, <laughs> but a just schlumpy guy in Vegas. And it is one of the greatest, purest, comedic, almost clowning performances in TV. And it he... He, all of those performances were amazing, and he made my life better. My uh, first person on the wall is Vince Staples. So great! Not only is Vince one of my like two or three favorite rappers who are working right now. Not only did I love Big Fish Theory, which is a record he put out this year, which continues to do really interesting, really unique stuff with rap without being like I'm doing interesting and unique stuff mm-hmm. with rap all the time. Which is, I think, which is his problem with me well, yeah. no, because I'm most, constantly most bragging. Of my adult about life, I have been listening to. Rap that kind of exists either in one of two, whether it's in a mainstream space or an underground space. And that stuff kind of like collapsed in the later on, like in the 2000s. But for the most part, you know, Vince is working on off things that are heavily influenced by uh, UK grime and UK pirate mm-hmm. radio sounds. He's like working with James Blake. He's doing all this different stuff and is still like this just ferocious lyricist and is also... One of the only people mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. who should be allowed to have Twitter. I agree. And I was hoping that you'd seems get like there. faint praise, but I often am like, I don't really understand how to be in this world anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really know, like, how do I want to, like, project myself to people? I guess that's sort of you stupid should. since I'm on microphone most of the time. But I look at somebody like Vince, who is able to routinely tweet things like, Eminem has Assassin's Creed flow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know how you do it, man. I don't know how you have the bars. And then you also have the Twitter bars. He's funny. Some, I, some people were made for these times. I'm just what you're thankful saying. for him. So thank you to Vince Staples for being you. Vince Staples is my first person on the wall. Jason, who's number two for you? I'm going to go um, a band, uh, a Brooklyn band called Big Thief put out a record this year called Capacity. Okay. I love this. I don't know. This is a tip. Oh, really? I don't know this band. Oh, great. Oh, that makes me feel even better. Preach. Um, I love this band. Uh, They are great. I saw them in... I saw them in like some weird old converted church in uh, Highland Park this year. Yeah. They put out this beautiful record that's just, and it is, it's full of like heartbreaking songs. Oh, is this songs. a sad thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, like all of my music is like devastatingly sad songs. Yeah. 
Is there any? Does it ever happen that you have something like that on your headphones and you're you're in a you're in a more contemplative place? Sure. And then uh, perhaps someone approaches you and wants you to be on in a different way. Oh well, they, I had this happen the other night. Um, the uh, the worst juxtaposition of this. Great. I do a podcast called How Did This Get Made, and we did it live at the Ace Hotel here downtown LA. You do live podcasts without us? We do. We do. I'm so sorry, That's guys. Great. I am so sorry. <laughs> um, so and I'm driving to that um i'm driving to that show and it's a, like a beautiful la night yeah and i put on another one of my favorite records of the year phoebe bridger's record yeah. uh and there's a song on that called smoke signals that i think is devastating and i put that song on repeat only and cried for the entire oh, drive no. <laughs> from my house to a comedy show what was the movie you guys were doing we were oh the movie was uh valerian oh my god <laughs> valerian in the city of a thousand planets <laughs> <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> I have an update. It is two hours and 20 minutes uh -huh. of in it's it's as if there's a person off camera with a remote. It's like click with a remote control who's just like, oh, no, I want this movie to instead be this yeah. every 15 minutes. Yeah. And the whole movie changes. It is nuts. It is so weird. I cried the entire way there listening to, listening to Phoebe Bridgers, who is an L.A. Uh, uh, singer, songwriter, guitarist. Amazing. Uh, another amazing record. Um, and, and wept openly. I was like, what is happening to me? Something <laughs> is wrong. Wow. Yeah, and then it had to be funny. How was the show? Not good. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was great. But I was like, I really had to be like, okay, okay, because I'd had it was like Sunday, yeah, and I had yeah. like a, a just like a lonely Sunday at home, and yeah. then like went and was like, okay, I got to connect with people. I got to okay, okay. I That's really hard. And it was super. It was it was it was wild. I'm gonna pick uh, another musician. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna pick someone who was also on our podcast this year. I felt like we had to have a slot for someone on the podcast, and it would just be weird to pick Jason sure. since he's sitting here judging us for it. Um, <laughs> Katie Crutchfield from Waxahachie. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that record. Uh, the Waxahachie album, Out of the Storm, one of the best records of the year. Yep. And also, for me, like one of the... This was a year of, of, of musical mismatches for me. I, we think we're going to do a podcast at some point before the end of the year specifically about records and songs that we loved. But I found... I, I'm struggling trying to figure out whether this was an exceptionally weak or mediocre year for music in general yep. or if it was just a year in which what I wanted for music wasn't there yep. because what I was looking for was impossible and maybe I wasn't willing to go full darkness well, which that, is and and I and that's very true like yeah. my list musically is like so monotone in its like maudlin tone and yeah. I kept looking for something to like meet my mood and I wasn't finding it and then it was also another tough another tough year for the rockers and the guitars in general yeah, right. um this Waxahachie record, to your point, Jason, like it is, it, it's redolent with '90s guitar sounds yes, and things that just just mainline right to our brains. Um, but it also felt completely alive, particularly so in this year. This is an album that came out earlier in the year, and half the songs are just about being undermined and taken advantage of in ways not just physical, but emotional mm. or or mental. Um, by the creepy dudes at the indie rock concerts. Yeah. Or yeah. not even creepy dudes at the indie rock concerts. Frankly, yeah. we said this to her when we had her on the pod. Dudes who are maybe just sitting there, like, you know, doing the drumming on their sternum and just feeling it and feeling like we're feeling it, but the, the wives and girlfriends and friends, they're not feeling it in the same way. And it was such a rejoinder yeah. to records that meant, that meant a lot to us. And I think meant a lot to Katie, too, and expanded the conversation and expanded the debate. But also, the record just goes. And I think she deserves she deserves a spot for that alone. So for my uh, second pick, I'm going to cheat a little bit by putting two people in there. Okay. Uh, this is one of those times, and Jason should be aware of it, 
we there are no rules. Yes. Yeah. So this is a completely artificial construct. My number two slot, which goes to two people, and those two people are Merritt Weaver and Scoot McNary. Okay. Godless. Yeah. Uh, not only for Godless. Oh, right? okay. So Merritt Weaver, I w- it is for Godless. Merritt Weaver has had uh, a like Ted Dansonian career on TV. <laughs> Dansonian yeah. is great. Well, great she's word. just been in everything that's good. You know, I mean, she's been on New Girl. She's been on Walking Dead. She's, you know, she was on Nurse Jackie for a long time, won an Emmy for that, I believe. But, you know, is one of those people you're just like, damn, I'm really just happy to see Merritt Weaver in this show. Mm-hmm. But I don't know ever if she got a shot to play something like the character Mary Agnes that she plays in Godless, which is essentially, she's, she's a gunslinger. She yep. plays a quick draw, tough talking Western gunslinger, and also in this show is Scoot McNary. Before you do Scoot McNary, uh, Jason, do you want to weigh in on working with the most Dansonian person of all, Ted Danson? Oh, yeah. Is it like working with Merritt Weaver in a lot it's of ways? It's pretty wild. It was great. I worked with Ted Danson uh, just this year on The Good Place, and it was... Um, it was, I'd never met him. I showed up for the first table read because, again, I've never met him. I showed up for the first table read, but I do know every, almost everybody else on that mm-hmm. show either comes out of the same UCB comedy mm-hmm. scene I do, or I've worked with them on something else mm-hmm. or whatever. So I, I knew most of the other people. And so I was, in that instance, just meeting Ted. And I was like, hi, Ted, nice to meet you. And it's all like hubbub before a table read. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's nice to meet you, Ted. How are you? And he goes, well, I've heard you're explosively funny. <laughs> and I was like, we'll see. And then we did the table you're like, read. I've been listening to Big Thief all day, so probably not. I don't know. I am openly He's weeping like, in my car all the time. Um, and then after the table read, he goes, okay, I see it. I see it. And it was very funny. That's he was crazy. awesome. Because I wondered, because you and Darcy, who you had all your scenes with, you come out of the UCB scene together. Yeah. You're doing your thing. Oh, you yeah. guys are playing yes, on that very show, much which so. was wonderful on the yeah. show. And he comes from a different um, oh, yeah. background and training. And you're, all, all you're, those guys do. And he was very, like, and he was um, excited. You know, like, there's something about, like, being given the opportunity to improvise, you know, without, in, within the safety of people who are comfortable doing sure. it. Not just like, yeah. well, let's open it up. And then everybody's <laughs> like, wait, what? But, like, for him to just be part of those scenes with Darcy and I and be able to just play around, like, it was fun. It was like, you got a sense of, like, oh, this is exciting. Um, but that show, you know, I think I said this before we started, like, there are a number of things that I would have highlighted on my list or would put in my, on my wall that I am reluctant to simply because I am on those shows. I made, like, The Good Place, season one, was one of my favorite shows of Mm -hmm. last year, you know? And I was, like, and my, like, I had such an emotional reaction to Mike asking me to, Mike Sure, the creator, asking me to be on it. I was blown away. And so the, the, uh, to get to do it with all those people, so exciting. So let's talk a little bit about Scoot's 2017. Yeah, I was going to jump in on that, too. Scoot is... I do not watch Halt and Catch Fire. High usage. It doesn't matter. He's in a lot of other stuff. How about starts this year in a little scene film called Sleepless. Okay. With Jamie Foxx and T.I. as detectives who are also robbing drug dealers. Yeah. And this is Jamie Foxx's taken, right? Yes. And Scoot, and then they they took in his kid. Yeah. They took in Jamie Foxx's kid. Oh, you don't do that. And oh. the little fox. Scoot no. plays a sober coke dealer in Vegas. Okay, cool. that's probably a smart trying choice. Trying to cool. like you know make ends meet in some like he's like over leveraged. Can, can I just pause so here? So he's I gotta get let me get through the synopsis here. What coke dealer is having trouble making money in Vegas? Yeah. Well, what coke dealer is sober in Vegas? Yeah. Okay. And these are great questions. He this is, is trying to make ends meet by bake, making a buy from Dermot Mulrooney, 
who plays a casino manager. That movie is wild. He was also in War Machine. Yeah. He was in Halt and Catch Fire. And he was also in, oh, well, Batman versus Superman was the end of last year. But I think that the, he's just had this incredible I, year. I, I, I do, oh, he was in Fargo. I he do, was incredible in Fargo. He, was, he had a great, great one yeah. episode run in yeah. Fargo. I, I should say, people, people were also asking why we didn't talk more about Halt and Catch Fire. I think it's because two thirds of this table didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, yeah. I, I, I auditioned would, for the Scoot McNary part in Halt and Catch Fire. Did you really? Did you really? Are you really serious? Yeah. What was that like? It was great. I read it and was like, this is awesome. It was such a great yeah. pilot oh script. Oh my god! What a what if? And um, and I was like, I really, I like, I chased that hard. Yeah. Wow. But he was like already like straight up a movie star. What other Scoot McNary roles do you think you would have been a better fit for? <laughs> the first time I saw Scoot McNary and was like, and genuinely was like, I don't know who this dude is, mm-hmm. but he's fucking awesome. Yeah. Was and I'm gonna space the name of the movie. It's him. Brad Pitt and Ben Mendelsohn. It's the first time I saw Scoot McNary and Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, it was that. It was that. Um, it wasn't a oh, great Killing movie. Oh, Killing Softly. It was, yeah, it was yes. the Andromeda movie. Heroin to the Velvet yeah. Underground's heroin, which <laughs> it's, it's like wearing a, a it's yeah. like wearing a band's t-shirt so to the concert, yeah, no. right? Like, in the needle. Yeah. I didn't love that movie, but I remember being like, "Oh, it's a cool, like, atmospheric crime movie." And being like, oh, Brad Pitt's doing a good job, but having no idea who yeah. those other two dudes were being like blown away by Scoot McNary. And then Ben Mendelsohn was like, I was like, I think I'm watching something like a magic trick. Yes. And I think that dude is like next level. Yes. Uh, but, but Scoot so McNary Scoot on in Hold- Godless. Uh, just oh, say sorry. he is incredible on Hold and Catch Fire. It yep. is a slow burn of a performance. He gets his ISO plays on this season yep. as well. The show didn't make my list. I should tell people. I, I just felt like the season lacked a certain there were the stakes was this were weird. The finale? It was the finale. Yep. It was beautiful. The performances were great. It lacked the urgency to me that I, I needed like, to I put want in the you top to 10. now attend all major Hall of Fame inductions. And, and just, just sort of ding. as Tim Raines is about to go mm-hmm. into the baseball mm-hmm. of you're I'm, just like, I just want to let you know I did not watch the Montreal Expos, <laughs> but I am okay with this. In uh, the, in, can I ask you very quickly, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, no. Chris. Now that it is done, yeah, should I watch it in its entirety? Is it a satisfying watch? Yes, great. Although that's all I need to know. My whole thing about that show was people were so stressed. There's too much TV to watch, and I would tell people they didn't have to watch the first season Mm -hmm. because the show takes such a quantum leap. Not the show quantum. That's how I feel about uh, Leftovers as well. I agree. We're on the same page. I have to return to that because I abandoned it in season one. Right. I almost yep. did as well. Yep. Um, season two and three are incredible. Yes, I know. And Hold and Catch Fire becomes a different show in two, three, and four. And yep. if you are a completist and now you know you can budget your time accordingly, you know how many hours there are, yep. watch it all. Totally. But, Absolutely. Uh, all right. We're going to get to the last two people for each of us on our wall. Let's just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Zelle. Zelle is the new way to send money to your friends and family from your banking app. Cash is easy to lose, and checks take a while to clear. But with Zelle, once you're enrolled, the money moves right between bank accounts and typically arrives in minutes. You pay your share for Dad's gift, you request half the cost of the Christmas tree you bought with your roommate, or you pay that personal trainer you hired after Thanksgiving when you had too much stuffing, all thanks to Zelle. It's easy to use and works with almost anyone with a bank account in the United States. And don't worry, Zelle is safe and backed by major banks, which means you can send money confidently. Just go to ZellePay.com to learn more. That's Z-E- L-L-E-P-A-Y dot com. Zell, this is how money moves. All right, we're back. We're going to get back into the we 2017 go. wall, our annual year in culture review where we induct people into an imaginary hall of fame. Mm. Uh, they, their picture goes on the wall. It can never, never be torn asunder. Uh, Jason, who's your number three? My number three is Amy Sedaris. 
Nice. Um, yeah. Who um, has had quietly like a pretty fantastic year. She is on, and this is another part where I have to uh, uh, say that I am also, I'm going to promote something that I am also in. That's fine. This, this, um, this, she's this. terrific on a show on CBS All Access called No Activity. That's an Australian format, format that they redid for American television. And she's in it and is fantastic. She is fantastic on her show, uh, the show that she has on True TV that is like a, um, like a, almost like a hosting kind of weird show that's totally, perfectly Amy Sedaris. And then she w- turned into me one of the best uh, performances on TV this year, most heartbreaking performances on TV this year on BoJack Horseman, mm-hmm. this season of Bo- BoJack, where her character is, like, the whole season of BoJack this year is about kids and parents and aging and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And her character is going through this incredibly devastating process of trying to get pregnant and continuing to have miscarriages and unable to, uh, uh, to get, get a pregnancy to hold. And, and that the, the kind of character's journey throughout and what this does to her is just devastating in the midst of what is honestly like one of the funniest shows on television. Yeah. You know, uh, they quietly are doing almost every season are ratcheting up not only what a solid creative joke machine this show is, but what an absolutely devastating piece of like, uh, uh, of, of just heartbreaking, uh, melancholy. They, you know, from her storyline this year to just like really digging in on the Wendy Malick character's, uh, dementia. Yeah. Uh, to the point where there's a whole episode that is just from the point of view of someone with dementia, wherein like time, wherein her character is staying the same, but everything around her is changing. So like she is she is in having a conversation in one moment with who she thinks is her husband, in another moment with someone that is clearly her son in the present tense, and then it will be like a white just void, yeah. and that was just like chilling and upsetting and it was great this is a tough thing to say for this podcast but big year for cartoons yeah <laughs> you know you know chris has a hard and fast rule we don't we don't talk about cartoons on this show but, oh yeah but big mouth a show that, that great that, that you're on great yep. really funny boundary pushing show in a lot of ways but also quite moving i think yeah, and really and respectful. heartfelt and sweet yeah and, and um uh, people love that rick and morty man dude yeah. it's on my list people love that too yeah it's on my list that is like and and i think that's kind of speaks to for me the desire for escape, you know, is like, I want to watch Rick and Morty. I want to watch like really well thought out, deep like level sci-fi that is Mm -hmm. also just crazy hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And relatively short compared to some of these other things. It it, it feels doable at the end of a punishing day. I watched all of Rick and Morty. I watched all of BoJack. I watched Mm -hmm. all of Bob's Burgers this year. Like Mm -hmm. I, and I did not watch Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I will. I'm like, I'm, and I'm certain I'm going to love it. But it didn't seem as, I was like, I want to watch these other things. Sure. And you, you know? can come back on the show when you have. <laughs> I will. Because. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's frankly, to be talked about. This is the place. Who's number three it. for you? Uh, Greta Gerwig. Oh, nice. Uh, Lady Bird, Chris and I have talked about repeatedly. We had Laurie Metcalf on the podcast to talk about it. I just, there, there are many movies, particularly movies that are hyped or beloved, and you, you go into expecting something that fade a little bit in your mind and your memory afterwards. You enjoyed it while you were there, but maybe it doesn't hold up, or maybe you start poking holes in it. I think that Lady Bird is a little kind of a, it's a, it's a, a magic trick, because 
it, it remains, I remain enchanted by it mm-hmm. after having seen it. And in fact, the parts that are sticking with me aren't the, are the parts that I wouldn't expect to, the, the parts that are harder and tougher than people who, who have heard about the movie and maybe are expecting just a generally, you know, maybe a, a pleasant nostalgia trip or a movie about high school. This is, a, this is a strong movie. It's a tough movie about people and about people becoming people. And I just think it's incredible that she directed this film. It's her first movie. I'm going to go for number three uh, with an oldie but a goodie. goodie. Oh, yeah. 86 years young, <laughs> John le Carre. Wow. Oh, interesting. So, sure. So uh, released his umpteenth novel, I don't even know, it's Legacy of Spies. Um, he has had to sort of grapple with, in, in, in the course of his life, he's seen the Cold War, seen the fall of the Berlin Wall. He has seen sort of the rise of the international mm-hmm. terror uh state or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it um, and grappled with that and now he's sort of looking at not only the era we live in now in terms of disinformation in terms of the sort of reheating of the Cold War but also the gut check that's gone on among intelligence services governments and people of his generation about what happened and what how they went about doing the way they did things uh, in the past and aside from that he's the most He's my favorite writer. He just writes sentences and writes characters and writes conversations. And you'll be reading and you'll just realize this is a scene in which two people, one person sitting across from another, the one person is reading something that he wrote 30 years ago and is remembering what it was like to write that. Yet it's also the document that he is reading and a outside narration of the actual events that are being played out that weren't in the document but that he chose to redact from it. And you know, I think that obviously there's a degree of genre excitement that goes along with the spies, with the, with everything that happens, the cloak and dagger stuff. But in a weird way, nothing has prepared me more for the terrible state of the world than this guy. And I guess for yeah. that, I have to thank him. And just been, it was a legacy of spies I had very low expectations for. You just don't really expect a fastball from an 86-year-old. And it was remarkable. Yeah. Can, I, can I say, I just want to support your point. Probably my favorite appearance on Fresh Air this year. <laughs> oh, really? That's very on I brand to it, yeah. for me to say. But yeah. Terry Gross always on my wall. Yeah, who's your favorite Fresh Air hit of the year? I'm just, just oh, let's man. take a peek, in, peek under know, the NPR we're hood. All for like, a we're all Fresh Air heads here, yeah, right? Sure. Jason, who's number four? Last one. One of the people that I like consumed a lot of material from this year that I love is Action Bronson. Yeah. Um, I think his show, Fuck That's Delicious, is just. I like that he is. He has inserted himself into our world as an agent of chaos. Yeah. In a pretty terrific way. In a chaotic world, <laughs> I like that he's entering, uh, uh, you know, he came, you know, listen, as a hip hop artist, I think he's interesting and compelling. Yeah. You know, does he sound like Ghostface? Yes, he does. <laughs> um, but I, I still I still enjoy his albums. I'm still like, uh, I'm still on board for him as an artist. But like, I find his stuff on Fuck That's Delicious. And I don't know if you guys have watched yes, at all. Every his, episode. His times. late night talk show. Yeah. yeah. That is one of the most interesting bits of insanity I've ever seen. And the fact that it is on television makes me thrilled. That they are just pointing cameras at a big open room and people are getting high and cooking food and (laughs) dancing and playing music. And it is sweating profusely. Chaos. It is indulgent chaos. And I love it. If someone's looking for a, a, a fuck that's delicious to start with, I can't recommend more highly the New York episode. Oh, my God. The one where they're eating Peter Luger's out in the parking lot? The Jewish guy in the batting cages? It is. (laughs) Don't you think there's also something beautiful about, this doesn't happen so often, but when someone enters the culture with one thing. Yeah. And then the culture says, we like you. Yeah. This is good. 
but what we really like is something that you love even more. Totally. And like, I, I, how great to be like, I'm rapping and rap, rapping is, that's a tough field to make it in. Yeah. But he's like, I also really like to eat. I also, because they're like, the hooray is, for you. Let's do that. It is the intersection of things that I love in a great way because you will, it's as if like a, a stoned, hilarious maniac yeah. has just been dropped into an episode of Chef's Table. Yes. You know? Yes. And Which is show, what Chef's Table needs, by yes, the way. Which, it is a another show I austere. really like. Yeah. But like, you know what I really want? Like, I want to see Massimo have to deal with a stoned out of his brain <laughs> action yes. Bronson. Not just like Massimo being like, I get to be Massimo. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, no, now wrangle this. Right. Also, as we reach certain ages in our life, and, and, and Chris reached it recently, so I think we should highlight that. But... You know what we're looking for out of our life changes slightly, yes. and and our and our priorities shift. And, and and Jason, we talked about this maybe even on mic that when I ran into you and and Nick and you were going up to San Francisco oh, yeah. to do a festival, I'm sure you had a great time at the festival. Great time. I'm sure the crowd loved it. You liked doing comedy with your pals. Loved it. But the headline for you at this point was I got to go to San Francisco and go to good restaurants. Oh yeah, State Bird Provisions, baby. So what <laughs> if you could just tweak the ratio? Oh and yeah. You were going to San Francisco to do that. Yeah. You take that deal, right? Absolutely. Right, oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You know, I just was in New York and went to the grill. Holy cow. Yeah. Great restaurant. But you didn't go just to go to the grill, no, right? You, no. had to, you, had to go, you, you had to go laugh, make exactly. people laugh. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and I love, I just love Bronson's like presence. I love what he's doing. I love him when he shows up on other stuff. I like, I like that he is just kind of collapsing the walls into sure. other people's things. He's one of the few like t- tolerable 360 personalities. You like, know, and then like, you'll see something like I was clicking through on Viceland once and saw he has a show where he and his friends just watch the TV show Ancient Aliens <laughs> stoned on a couch. They It's just them watching a TV Man, show Viceland. and it's nuts and hilarious. And then he just started this show. They're already like 30 episodes into it. <laughs> They just started a couple months ago. That is a like a late night talk show yeah. on yeah. Viceland that is double chaos. It is untethered madness, yeah. and it is delightful. Of all the ponies to put everything in on, Viceland chose the right one. Oh, it's That's the, great. He's their guy. Absolutely, uh, I really enjoyed that. Who's uh, number four for you? I think I have to put Gail Gadot on my list, mostly because I wanted to Gal use Gadot. Gadot. <laughs> Do you mean Gal Gadot? Because you said Gail Gadot. Gal. I'm 100% you're sure. You said Gail Gadot. Let's say it with me again. It's Gal. Yes, but Gadot. Let me talk you through my presentation. Keep in mind, I am not Jewish, and you are. It's a strong counter. But sure, tell me about this Gail Gadot. She's she's my travel agent. I like that I can hear Zach laughing from the other room. Here's the, here's the problem with saying that name out loud in a microphone. First of all, you're welcome for taking a risk. Sure. This has been a very safe podcast so far. I read recently that it, in the correct Israeli pronunciation, it's really all about the hint of the T at the end. Uh-huh. And I was so focused yeah. on getting there, I didn't care about what route I took. Yeah. And I took the wrong one. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say her name again. Sure. But what I am going to say is that every few years, celebrity culture produces someone who is fresh and beautiful and deserving of it, and nothing about it seems terrible. And that's very rare. And Wonder Woman was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And her performance was fantastic. And it was a big hit. And I feel like we needed that this year. Yep. And then we got that GQ profile of her, where she wrestled Katie Weaver on the sand using her massage training. Oh, I didn't know. (laughs) And, like, fed her hummus. And it just generally seems like a terrific person. Also seems to have gotten Brett Ratner effectively fired from movies. Yeah, right? So win, 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 win. Totally. And I think she deserves a place, whatever her name is. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about 
Gal Gadot or Gail Gadot, Why as you, you so call good it. At saying good it. old Gail. Here's what I here's for you and for many people. She will be Wonder Woman. She will be Diana. Sure. For me, mm. she will always be Giselle from the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> yeah, you you had her first. I I watched her die, and I wow. wept wow. in Fast Six. Holy cow! Wow. So for me, yeah. as much as I loved Wonder Woman, yeah. which genuinely loved yeah. Wonder yeah. Woman, I thought it was one of like one of my favorite movies of the year. And I thought she was perfect yeah. and and effortless in both the action and the comedy. And the comedy. She and Pine were great together. Yeah. Um, she is still, to me, Giselle. Will always be Giselle. R.I.P. Giselle, baby. At this point, are you surprised when you see people be funny when you, when they, like, we didn't expect, who knew Chris Pine was funny? Chris Pine is funny. Yes. I was not surprised God. Chris Pine was funny. But Giselle, yeah. I forget the name of the actress who plays her. Gail Gadot, I believe is her name. That sounds, I've heard it pronounced recently. That sounds right to yeah. me. I mean, let's go with that. Good old Gail. But are you are you surprised when people who, you know, maybe don't come from a UCB world, they're not used to being comedic performers, like what is it about them that allows them to be? Well, people are funny. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. can be funny. There are funny. That's the thing is like you don't have to be trained to be funny. You don't there like there are funny people everywhere. Right. And it takes a certain type of funny person to be like, I should be paid for this. Right. <laughs> and that is that is those are maniacs. Yeah. Like these those are crazy people. Most people are like, yeah, I'm funny, but like I'm going to like do something with my life. Right. But other people are like, I'm funny and that's it. And those are the kind of people you find weeping in their car yes. on a Sunday evening. Yes. It's, on their way to a comedy exactly. show. <laughs> on their way to do a comedy show listening to one song. It takes a certain type. Uh, so number four, I was going to put in, I was going to, I was going to say Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, but, but, but she's already on the wall. Our inaugural wall yeah. from the yes. Grandland days. She's, I've, she's I've the queen. Yeah. So, um, I want to fire up an old chestnut from earlier in the year on the watch. Zach, I need the violins. It's time to go back to oh, Taboo Island. Island? <laughs> oh, wow, no. this is an audible. Tom Hardy is going on the wall. Wow. And here's Wait, why. Tom or chips? No, Tom. Not it's chips. chips. It's a package deal. It's a package deal. I'm sure you will get <laughs> chips and executive producer credit on this picture. Co -cre on this nomination is co-created so, by Chips Hardy. Obviously, we got a lot of different looks from Tom Hardy this year, right? We got <laughs> we always do. Taboo, which I think even me, who may be the most charitable viewer of Taboo, mm. thought muted some of his natural charm. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> got it. But yeah. in Dunkirk... He basically oh, wears yeah. a mask the entire time. He's done it before in a he, movie. He uh, is not even, I would say, has like three or four lines of dialogue outside of banking left. Yeah. He's, on your, he's on your back. I'll come around. Mm -hmm. But is responsible for the most moving and beautiful and like inspiring moment mm. in film that I saw this year, which is his silent dying plane coasting through. <laughs> down the you know the coastline and landing and then him lighting the plane on fire and just standing there and watching it which mm -hmm. so, for some reason to me is the most resonant image mm. of the year also mm. and this is not a spoiler is rumored to play a star stormtrooper in last jedi oh really which is like just Dan like, like daniel craig yeah. in the, the last one yeah so Funny. i have a soft spot for tom hardy i know that obviously taboo is divisive but i also think it's just we, we should always be commending tom hardy because he 
there are few actors. I mean, maybe James Franco is one of them, but he just makes really weird choices. Yeah. He is currently filming Venom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm aware. Based yeah. on a really probably over-the-top Spider-Man <laughs> villain from the Todd McFarlane era of right. the 90s. Oh, yeah. Most notable for its for its giant slithering alien space tongue. Yep. And he's just like, this is, this is the and right role for me. And rows and rows of sharp teeth. And they don't teeth. even so have Spider-Man in, 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 anymore, right? And like, once again, in a... Right, and they've given Spider-Man basically over to Marvel, so Spider-Man's not in this film. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's a character, once again, who is primarily hidden. And entire... who looks like Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Venom looks, Venom is like a, Venom, like if you, if you can picture Spider-Man in the black suit, yeah. the black suit itself is Venom. Came alive. That is the symbiote, you know? And that's what's crazy. There are, we, we live in a, we live in a tarnished era for many things, but it is a golden age of like the Hollywood Reporter deep dive on something. Sure. It's like, how did this happen? I would, I wish, we're not there yet, but I wish the Hollywood Reporter could be like, Inside Tom Tom Hardy's decision making, well, sure, you know, like that, his power structure, not, that, what his agents told him, yeah. and then what he's in the moment he told them, you know, I'm a, my dad and I are going to do this yeah. instead. That's not an in, insignificant amount of why I said this because the other person who I was thinking about was Robert Pattinson, who was in two of my favorite movies this year, yep. Lost City of Z and Good Time. Sure, and he is unrecognizable in both. Yeah, and he is. Not particularly likable in Good Time. I mean, you wind up pulling for him, but it is a complicated role. And in Lost City of Z, he plays this bookish sidekick to Charlie Hunnam. But watching these guys and these actors sort of reinvent themselves, who are sort of... they Like, Tom Hardy and Robert Pattinson could be going for every big role in movies right now and probably have a, a punter's chance of getting it. But he's he was just like, I'm, I want to do interesting, weird character Oh, work. yeah. And it's kind of fascinating to watch. And they do, for as weird as the choices they make, more often than not, they make the right one. Well, they also have gotten them, so in very smart ways, they've gotten themselves into positions where they can then make lots of weird yeah. choices. Mm-hmm. Where they yeah. can turn around and Tom Hardy can be like, yeah, I want to do Locke. I want yeah. to do a whole movie where I'd never leave the car. Talk about the just, poor. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like that movie. <laughs> yeah, I did too until a certain point. But I, I, the, I the, like The it. point in the car? <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, wait a minute. We're just driving in this We're car. We're talking about concrete for like Is this the laziest minutes, movie man? of all time? Yeah. yeah. And I, well, that's what I like about both those guys is yeah. they then, I think from positions of, of power and access, are allowed to be like, ooh, now let me make really interesting, weird sure. choices. Yeah. I have a question for though for you. Yeah. Because you've finished your list. Yeah. yeah. What about Buono, though? It's true. Great call. Thank I, you. What I about Buono, though? I mean, we're talking like this year we got Buono in a tub. Mm-hmm. I think they, Tubbed up. Tubbed up Buono? Buono was underutilized. In I agree. Season, I things. agree. You know, I think it's she painful. had like, yeah. there was that moment last in the first season where Mike comes home and she hugs him and it's like this really incredible, like it's probably one of the most touching moments of the, sh- of the series. Mm-hmm. They really just shunted her off yeah, to the no, side and then had that weird All the parents kind of went away. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Can I make a suggestion that will not be taken and probably sure. shouldn't for financial or creative reasons? But I kind of wish they would just do a bottle episode about what those parents do all day. Sure. Oh, well, evil demons are fighting their children the, the in the streets. The thing would be to just only do yes. the, that. Ju- oh, you mean just Mike's parents, right? Yes. <laughs> Bono and the dad. Yeah. Oh, oh, good, good. Yeah. I thought you meant all the parents in town. No, you were and I, mean, like, I think you're right. It, just those two parents. Like, just what like are the their parents day, doing like, who are like eating and like, have you heard about this you, kid who it got be sucked like, into it? Do, do, you want, do you want tuna for lunch today, honey? <laughs> that sounds good. It should be a who's afraid of Virginia Woolf level argument that they're in in the house and the kids are just entering and exiting. Because yeah. there's a way to look at the show, and yep. I won't argue that this is the correct way to look at the show, but there's a way to look at the show that is just a brutal indictment of their mm-hmm. parenting. 
No, Maybe it's not. like they, they let their kids rock, man. That's they get 80s on the parenting. bikes. They're, they're, yeah, that's 80s parenting. 80s parenting. Way they're free range kids. Their daughter yeah. drove to another town yeah. to sleep with a guy at a conspiracy theorist flop no house. Idea. My, my, mom, even my mom used to get mad at me if I wouldn't leave the house by 10 a.m. My mom's mad yeah. at me right now, and I don't even know why. <laughs> yeah. She was like, You're wasting just a beautiful day. My mom just called me and said, It's time for dinner. You're like, It's three hours earlier here. Do you have to FaceTime her to prove that you're Yeah, that I'm with friends. It's okay. <laughs> On my list should have been, because mm. I thought of it only late, too mm. late, Taika Waititi. Oh, good call. Yeah. Um, I thought he did such a phenomenal I'm job. I'm so mad you pronounced that correctly, by the way. You prepared for this podcast. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, um, I thought he did. And listen, I'm a fan of Taika Waititi from the jump, you know, mm. from... Eagle versus Shark, or yeah. you know, uh, all of the stuff he did uh, uh, before coming here. I uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, uh, uh, all the. I think he's just tremendous. And then what he brought to what has for me been one of the least interesting Marvel um, mm-hmm. character movie series, the Thor series. Um, revolutionized a character that they have mis- misunderstood and misused. And I thought Thor Ragnarok was one of my favorite movies of the year, one yeah, of the Chris. most fun yeah, movies Chris. of the year. And Taika not only delivered in terms of like a great, big, spectacle-filled, great uh, story, uh, uh, classic kind of... Uh, Marvel space story, Marvel, you know, uh, Thor story, and then also made it hilarious. And I'm going to say, not only did I love what he did as a director, but like the character he played, that so, character uh, yeah. made of rock. That guy was hilarious. Was hilarious yeah. and was just relentlessly funny. And so Taika would always. What was that guy's name, Doug? Be, Korg. 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 He talked yeah. about Doug, new Doug. Oh, yeah. I, I think that one bright spot of culture going from this year into next year is the sudden sense that maybe talented creators can grab the reins of these corporate entertainments that are going to be made regardless. If you think about Logan going into Thor, Mm -hmm. going into a movie that we're not talking about because we don't want to spoil in any way, but the culture will know what we're talking about by the time this posts. Yep. Um, Hopefully Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yes. That How good does that look? It looks great. And Coogler, it, baby. It's separate. I mean, do we wish that all of these multi-corporate, multinational corporations were funding these directors and these creators to do these things separate and apart from their IP advancement? Yeah. Sure. But if this is the if these are the sandboxes they're given, at least let them play. Yeah, absolutely. And that's yeah. kind of exciting. Um, I missed your 40th birthday party. That's okay. A happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, I felt bad. I felt bad that I didn't make it. And I felt bad, so I wanted to get you something. Oh, my God. Chris Ryan, I have watched Ozark. Did you know this was coming too? <laughs> Isn't that great? Did you guys know this was coming? Take this now with a grain of salt because I, I have watched not even as much as Andy Okay. Has. Yeah. But I, in the last three days... Oh, you did this recently. This right. Really? In the last three days, you knowing I was coming me. here, Thank you. I watched Ozark. Thank you. And by the way... It's great. It's great. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It wouldn't make the wall for me. It's not what it's not. But I, I'm really enjoying yes. it. Yes. How many I will finish you, this series. Three. Three. I will finish this series. It's terrific. Yeah. yeah. And and every and and as much as you talked about it prior. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and I was like, you know what? That would be great. That's the nicest thing that you could possibly have given me for my birthday. There you go. Happy Thank birthday, you so my much. friend. All right, let's wrap it up. For Jason Mantzoukas and Andy Greenwald, I'm Chris Ryan. Thank you for listening to another year of Watch Podcasts. We can't wait to talk to you in 2018. Happy New Year, Baranskis. Yeah! Mm-hmm. 
Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Zelle. Cash is easy to lose and checks take a while to clear. Thankfully, there is Zelle, a new way to send money to your friends and family from your banking app. Once you've enrolled, the money moves right between almost any U.S. bank accounts and typically arrives in minutes. Plus, it's backed by major banks, which means you can send money confidently. Just go to ZellePay.com to learn more. That's Z-E-L-L-E-P-A-Y.com. Zelle. This is how money moves.